they had a chance to win too. There was uh, 45 seconds left. Uh, they were down one. Ricky Rubio had a wide open three and airballed it. So, oh yeah, that was painful. Yeah, so they Ricky Ruby, no. <laughs> we dribble it, yeah, yeah, and we dribble it, yeah, yeah, and we dribble it, yeah. We put some shots up and we dribble it. For ball, we know episode forty nine. It's Nate. It's a hop, and we're here on Thursday, April twenty fifth, in the early hours of the morning. The wee hours of the morning. <laughs> It's like almost noon. But, yeah, you know. essentially meaning for me that it's before noon because I work nights. So, and I have the day off. So we just decided to podcast. I don't know if we just decided. I think it, <laughs> I think I decided because yeah. I'm busy. But yeah, I think you needed to. But be that as it may. Yeah. So we won't have some scores for you for tonight's games, but that's okay because that will make it we, better next week. We wouldn't have anyway because it would have been during the episode i think last time we had one score because there's usually a game at four and it ends by the time we pod at around six it's all base i do not know i don't know anyways uh welcome back almost uh at the 50 mark which is kind of cool that'll be next week obviously it's 49 um <laughs> i guess let's just jump into it with the kicks of the week let's do it and we weren't disappointed as much this week from the nba players um as we are introducing Jimmy Butler's Jordan Supreme elevations that he wore in Brooklyn. Just patriotic. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> or just, you know, 76ers colors. But I mean, they are a patriotic team. That's true. So, uh, yeah, here we got the Jordan Supremes. And like, a, I think I would assume they're a player edition. I don't think I've ever seen these before. Um, I would have to assume the same. Yeah, they got some like tiger stripes on the side looking thing uh, in red with some blue spots on like the upper ankle slash the back of the shoe. And then the front of the shoe is like the blue part is like leopard. And then the red part is like tiger stripes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then uh, the like the top of the foot is like stripes um, in red, which I think is sick, surrounded by blue. They're pretty so, fire. The top comment on this says that Jimmy wears Jordans that Jordan himself doesn't know that they exist, which seems kind of accurate because I've never seen these shoes before, but <laughs> they're kind of fire. So click the link, check them out. Yeah, I was trying to, I don't even think, uh, I mean, they have like a white and black version that's not even out yet or just dropped. Oh, no, they released in March this style of shoe. So, oh, yeah. did they? Okay. These got to definitely be PEs then. And Jordan might actually not know that they exist then. Yeah, maybe not. Because all his older shoes are kind of whack. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's take. highlights. There's highlights. <laughs> no, there are, there are some. I mean, when you have that many shoes, there's going to be some eh, ones. But for the yeah. most part, they're pretty good. But the but new if you're, if you're like a hype the, beast, you think they're all cool yeah. for whatever reason. I like the new style, though, I, that they're going with. I don't know how to like describe what the style is, but it's just like Jordan. When I see it, I'm like, yeah, that's a Jordan shoe. So, yeah, they, I mean, they have a signature look about them, even with the number, like the large variation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they differentiate differentiate themselves from Converse and Nike pretty well, which is yeah, definitely surprising. You'd think they'd kind of blend together after a while, but yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right. Let's get into the general news, which was like kind of few and far between this week, just with the playoffs going on. There's some juicy stuff in here, though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to start or would you like to? Yeah, you can go. All right. Take uh, it away. First in our general news, Rudy Gobert said in an interview, he's still salty that he went 27th overall, um, a la Draymond Green, who can list every player that was drafted ahead of him. Um, there are definitely some names ahead of Gobert that you look at and you say, really? That guy? But there are also plenty of names that feel like they belong ahead of him. And with Gobert coming out of France, I think it's hard to know really what you're going to get. This is a pattern we kind of see time and again with guys coming from overseas. But the number one pick in that 2013 draft ahead of Rudy Gobert was Anthony Bennett. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to the Cavs. Like why they chose... He wasn't even projected lottery, I don't think. He had to have been projected lottery. They're not just going to take him just because. I don't know, man. (laughs) Are you looking? Yeah. All right. Uh, Some other names that were taken ahead of him. uh, We see Vic Oladipo, Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Lynn, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pulp, Trey Trey Burke, CJ McCollum, MCW, Steven Adams, Alenik, Shabazz Muhammad, Giannis Atenecompo, uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Gorgie Dang, Mason Plumley, Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, and Andre Robertson was 26th. I listed almost every name ahead of him with the exception of two or three that I've never heard of. <laughs> um, so when you look at that list, it I don't know how mad I can be. Yeah, it was kind of just like a, you know, at the... Obviously, when you're going into it, you don't really know what to expect. And then the results of what happened were like, okay, all these guys, you can make a case, you know, depending on the team's needs are ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I mean, maybe he could have been like the 20th pick or like the 16th, you know, something around there. Yeah, yeah. Could have definitely been higher, but at the same time, you just never know. And it's six years after he's been drafted. Like, get over it. Well, and you also figure, like, Gobert, I don't think, was that great of a player coming into the league. I feel like it's really been in the last two or three years that he's really developed his game and come into his own as, you know, a rim protector and also an offensive player. So be proud of yourself that you were picked that low and you proved people wrong, right? Don't make it – don't be all salty about it. But So the Anthony Bennett thing, uh, the closest thing I could find to, like, a prediction was a 2013 Bleacher Report mock draft. Yeah. And they actually had him at four going to the Suns. Okay. So I don't know. I think still it's still kind of weird, but I think it's one of those cases where like no one knew who he was. And then he comes into the league and he proves that he's like a nobody and like not <laughs> worth, you know, and yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. it's just this huge draft pick. But if it was a case like a Cal Kuzma where no one knew who he was and then he just broke out, even though he didn't get drafted extremely high, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just a, a nobody, essentially. Actually, they went to the same school, which is kind of funny. Um, mm. And I think, or did Kyle Kuzma go to Utah? No, he went to UNLV, right? No, I think, I think it was at Utah. Crap, yeah, Utah. Um, anyways. <laughs> I said that so hesitantly. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I agree on, on those fronts. I think Giannis is probably the best 15th pick ever in the history of the world. 
Um, and I'm still trying to find out what happened to Andre Robertson because I think he's dead. But yeah, I mean, I think Draymond is the same case, right? Where like, I don't think anyone expected much out of those guys and mm-hmm. they ended up being outstanding players. So also, I want to fight you on that. Uh, Giannis is the best 15th overall pick ever. Okay. Some, some names at 15, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Uh, Steve Nash. Okay. Brent Berry. Okay. Del Curry. <laughs> I'm surprised that there are that many really good 15, like exactly number 15. <laughs> yeah, same. That's <laughs> weird. I'm surprised this is a stat that I could just look up. Al <laughs> Jefferson, Rodney Stuckey, Robin Lopez, Larry Sanders. Okay, well, I think you could make an argument that given oh his Oh, my current... God, they butchered Giannis's name on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you could argue given his current trajectory that he could still very well be honestly far and away the best 15th pick yeah, i'm not like disagree with you i'm just saying there's a lot of other good names that yeah I that's that's kind of why uh they spelt his name adetokunubo <laughs> a-d-e-t-o-k-u-n-b-o so they wow. didn't even try there <laughs> that's really bad all right yeah <laughs> let's move on to the next topic <laughs> Wait, why does this only go up to 2013? I don't know, because it's an old article. It's myMBADraft.com, so I'm just going to believe that they're correct. I mean, they're probably right up until then. Uh, wait, who was 15 last year? Oh, man. I'm like, Justin Jackson. Okay. Okay. We're really going down the rabbit hole here. So. <laughs> no, I know, but like it was pissing me off that they didn't show the other. Pick. They don't even. They have. There's like a bunch of gaps. All right, the site might not be trustworthy. I'm gonna cover the next topic and then we'll let you talk about your favorite friend in the third one. Okay. No, they're, um, they're bad. So go ahead. Next, uh, the new, newly named Kings coach and former Lakers coach Luke Walton is in some hot water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sizzling um a former la reporter filed a lawsuit saying that walton sexually assaulted her in his hotel room in may 2017 um again kind of like i think we did with porzingis i i think you guys should read into it yourself and make your own opinions essentially it sounds like um she wanted to interview walton for a book she was writing they had been professionally acquainted um, Luke convinced her to go up to his room for the interview and he forced himself on her as essentially her claims. Um, Luke's lawyer called the allegations, quote, baseless and said in full, quote, the accuser is an opportunist, not a victim, and her claim isn't credible, end quote. Mic drop. <laughs> Actually, um, he was really swinging for the fences with these things that he said. Um, I'm inclined to believe the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but um, we we will never actually know. This morning, and this could be this topic, or this could be completely unrelated, but Magic Johnson tweeted, quote, the truth will always come to light, uh, followed by the smiling emoji with the rosy cheeks. Um, mm-hmm. I... I don't know what else is going on with the Lakers franchise. I don't know what's being said about magic that I may be unaware of. So this could be about this Walton situation. He obviously thinks very highly of Luke Walton. At least it it appears that way based on things he has said about him in the past. Um, 
So I don't really know what to believe of that magic tweet. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I said maybe it's not about, you know, that situation. Maybe I, he's been lying to us all along, but I'm not going to continue what I said earlier before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like this is probably about something entirely unrelated. It's probably just like his like wife lied to him about you know where she was last night the truth yeah. will always come out <laughs> he's like oh my god he knows something it's just like his own life tweet yeah <laughs> yeah being a normal dude now because he's jobless but yeah, still, i'm sure still... him and his millions are doing okay well yeah he's you know he owns the dodgers and stuff so or part of the dodgers i didn't uh, know that yeah facts next up on the the news speaking of owners ambassadors uh drake was in the news uh he addressed he was addressed by the media in the past for his curse of cheering on sports teams it's it's true it's so, real. so if you guys don't know uh drake likes to wear jerseys of different teams and just go to a bunch of random games like because he has the money, so why not just go out and watch a random game? Bandwagon and also, AF. And then he also has the money, so hey, I'll just buy a jersey. And then essentially every time you see him in a jersey of the team he's like cheering on that night, they lose. Yes. Or, they, or in the long run, they end up losing like the Super Bowl or something. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, basically he needs to be a Patriots fan for football. <laughs> um, so after... Spoiler alert, the Raptors got a W the other night. Um, he yelled at the media on his way out of the arena because he was wearing Raptors gear. He said, you want me to talk about the curse or you guys good as he was like walking out. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, it's kind of just like a fun game that the media, social media and Drake like are playing all together. Uh, I think Drake's playing along pretty well. So that kind of just makes it, you know, fun to talk about. I don't know. I think at first, at least he was kind of upset. Yeah, he never really talked about it at first, but recently he was at a football game and instead of wearing the team jersey of what, you know, he wanted to cheer on, he wore a, t- a shirt that had every NFL logo on it. That that was pretty funny. <laughs> trolling. He's like, basically, y'all are going to lose. The whole thing is just going to implode. The league's going to die. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, so he's he's making light of it, you know. Um it is kind of fun to watch, you know, it, anytime he's somewhere wearing a jersey at a game, uh, the picture always shows up somewhere on social media. You know, I guess my issue here is he's going to be yelling at the media after the Raptors dispatch the seven seed. Like, that's not that's not exciting. That's not cool. Yeah, but last year, the Raptors were the one seed and they lost. So in the second round, right? Uh. I guess. I guess if they were the one seed and they played LeBron, they had to. Yeah. But, I don't know. So, I, I mean, I guess that's, like... I don't know where... It, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, no one cares until it happens the way they want it to happen. So, like... I if, mean, maybe. If he, were, if he was wearing a... Like, he goes to lots of Raptors games, you know? So, like, every time they lose you know that might pop up but if they win no one's gonna say anything like drake was there wearing the gear and they won you know no one cares about that story they care about the other side where the curse is alive you know but it's a matter of they lose when they're supposed to win Mm. that's when it matters that's a good point 
It's fair. And if they lose to the freaking seven seed in the playoffs and Drake's there, it's hilarious. But if they win, they're supposed to. That's a good point. Fair. Good luck, Drake. And the um, Raptors. Because your Raptors are about to get sent by the Bucks once they get there. So it's all good. I don't know, bro. Siakam, he's the truth. Siakam is nice. I do like him. <laughs> but they're going to have the Sixers next. The Sixers aren't going to beat them. And then they're going to have the Bucks, And they're going to get wrecked. Speaking of getting wrecked, uh, the Suns always get wrecked because they suck. Yeah, correct. And it seems kind of like now they're the new Lakers because there's all kinds of drama in the front office and yada, yada. Um, so the Suns fired their head coach, Igor Kokoskov. <laughs> Kokoskov? There you go. That was that good. One, that one was better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, me. Uh, so... To me, this seemed kind of like a good choice. He didn't really, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like when I was, if I was watching games, he seemed kind of lost at times and just like didn't really know what was going on or like wasn't a very good leader as a coach. Um, And the Suns never really improved under him at all. So Mm -hmm. that's a bad sign. Um, But the, also the Suns decided to clean the whole house. So they got rid of Kokoskov's coaching staff all the way to player development staff, which those player development guys usually kind of stay like trainers and stuff like that, but they're just, they're trying to do like an overhaul a century. A century. Yep. <laughs> we don't, we don't correct ourselves here at football. We know it's going to keep going. So <laughs> that's how you say that word today. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. Matt Barnes weighed in on the firing. So he's said this on Twitter quotes, um, coaching isn't the problem with the at sons. The owner is Sarver is the worst owner in the NBA facts. Do <laughs> the great city of Phoenix a solid and sell the team. They deserve a winner. You're wasting Devin Booker's career. So basically, you know ev- what everybody's been saying for the past, you know, decade. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and now it has like a little more credibility that a former NBA player saying it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, we've talked about this before, how he's too involved and sometimes that's good. Uh, there are owners that are too involved and the team excels kind of like the Clippers, Steve Ballmer is involved a lot and they're actually playing better than they should be. And, uh, but this is not one of those cases, (laughs) uh, for coaching replacements, the Suns have meetings with, or they were rumored at first to have meetings with these guys, but now apparently the meetings are set. Uh, the 76ers assistant Monty Williams and then David Vanderpool Vanterpool uh, who is the Blazers assistant coach again why not just go after David Yeager well I believe that uh, Paul Pierce went on record saying that if he was in the in the running to be a head coach that the Suns would be last on his list of teams <laughs> because of their front office. Yeah, so. so it could be David Yeager doesn't want anything to do with them. Very I mean that's very possible. But at the same time he's been on he's coached the Grizzlies and the Kings. Like he knows what it's like to be on a bad team. And yeah. he got the Kings to a ninth ninth overall in the West. That's pretty good. So maybe he can yeah. do something with the Suns. I don't know. Maybe one could hope, but yeah, the Suns they got all kinds of issues, but it's fun to watch from the outside and laugh at them. <laughs> um, speaking of Sun, 
We're going to go over the playoff recaps in a place where it's sunny off in Orlando. Yeah. Wow. Sketch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they played the Raptors in game three and they lost. <laughs> Toronto won 98-93. Um, and at this point, uh, uh, Toronto leads the series two to one. This game was in Orlando. And as we mentioned before, Pascal Siakam's an absolute monster. He led the at the game in scoring for the Raptors. Hit thirty and eleven. So, shout out Pascal. Dude's a beast. Kawhi put in a measly sixteen and ten. Loser. <laughs> Kyle Lousy kind of was lousy. Besides ten assists, he had twelve points. Yeah, I mean twelve, five, and ten isn't bad. On the other side, mm-hmm. it was pretty much just. Vucevic. No one else really did anything. Yeah, Vucevic had 22 and 14, and Terrence Ross had 24. And that was, like, really it. Yeah, I mean, there was points where I think the the Raptors might have been up 17 at one point, and then Orlando did make a charge at the end, but it was just a little too late, unfortunately. Um, Still was a pretty good game just because of the exciting push at the end. I think the magic went on like a 10 0 run towards the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, the next game they played on Sunday, the 21st, the Raptors blew the magic out this time. They won by 22, 107 to 85 uh, to take a three, one lead. Kawhi showed up this time with 34 and six boards. Uh, you also saw 16 points each from Norman Powell and Pascal Siakam. Um, on the Magic side, Aaron Gordon showed up with 25, 7, and 5. Evan Fournier had 19. Oh, sorry, I still hit game. <laughs> I, I hit game recap by accident. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and that was that. So if I, if I remember correctly, it looked like the Magic might be in that one, and then the Raptors just kind of yanked the chain and – in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I'm seeing now that the Raptors outscored the Magic by 10 in the fourth quarter. So one of those games where it looked like the Magic might be able to make a run, but they just couldn't close. Mm-hmm. Um, game five was Tuesday night, right? Uh, yeah. Another blowout for the Raps, 115-96, and then they take the series with this one, 4-1. to one, So they win in five. What did we have? Who did we have here? We I had the wraps in seven. You had them in six. Yeah. So we're both wrong. <laughs> Woo! Basketball podcast. I was closer. Stuff. That's all I had to say. You were. So Kawhi did his thing. He had 27 and seven boards. Pascal, again, in the 20s, 24 and six. Um, Kyle Lousy still doing his lousiness at 14 and nine. <laughs> Expect more out of that guy. Yeah. Um. On the other side, you know, Augustine, 15, Terrence Ross, 12, Aaron Gordon, 11. Not really anything going on there. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as Lowry, it's probably better for them when the scoring burden is less on his shoulders. Um, Because he's so lousy. mm, I just feel (laughs) like he's not a guy that I want to have to score. I want him to have opportunities to score, Mm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. And then I remember down the stretch of this game, they were really, I think it was this one. They were really trying to, it wasn't this game. I don't remember which one it was. Um, they were really forcing the ball into Kawhi's hands late when they were, when Siakam was playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And I found that really frustrating. I get that Kawhi is your guy. I'm here for it. But Kawhi's shooting poorly. Siakam wants to corner or a post or whatever. So I think it will be interesting to watch if that's how Toronto continues to play against better teams because Kawhi is not going to be able to do it by himself and he doesn't have to, but they're making him. Well, no, I mean, Pascal had 30 in game three. So it's like, man, let him do go to work. (laughs) And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think that you want your game plan to be give it to Siakam and let him ISO. But if he's in a place where he's scoring consistently and he's getting good looks, I was just very frustrated that we have Kawhi, bricking pull-up jumpers instead you know i just don't get it just run a a pick and roll with them and see what happens i mean yeah go to the hot hand like yeah exactly right but what do i know um next series we have the nets and the sixers uh game three Embiid was out with a knee issue so this looked like uh, especially because the nets won game two it looked like game three was like, all right, MB's out, Nets are at home. They should easily win this. On the contrary, the Nets came out soft and the 76ers came out hot. And they won the 76ers won 131 to 115 and took a 2-1 lead in the series. Um Tobias Harris showed out 29 and 16. So that's kind of a game you'd expect from him. Um Greg Monroe in Embiid's absence, you know, put up some respectable numbers, nine and 13 boards. It's kind of all you need him to do if, you know, Embiid's out, is just get rebounds. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons, after being called out by Dudley, was anger and proved Dudley <laughs> right by being a transition player and scoring 31 points <laughs> in transition. <laughs> like low key, though. Yeah, so, you know, Dudley said he was a great transition player. That's how he scored all 31 points. So you just proved him right. So uh, 31 and nine assists. And then JJ Redick had a great game with 26 points. I just am really confused by the Sixers fans as well as their players where they really thought it was like some dope achievement that Simmons went and like he always showed Dudley wrong. You guys already called Dudley a nobody. Simmons is supposed to be one of your best players. Like Dudley's like LeBron James or something. Like, prove him wrong. Like, come on. You didn't achieve anything, but it's whatever. Uh, On the other side. D'Lo did his thing with 26. Uh, Karras also added 26 and seven boards. And Jared Allen had 15 and six. But it just wasn't enough. It's tough to see. Yeah, that was definitely a game that you need to win in this series. Um, I I thought they were going to. Yeah, yeah, I thought they had a good shot. Um, And then in game four... Closer game, but Philadelphia pulls it out 112-108 to take a 3-1 lead. Um, with Embiid back in the lineup and playing really well, he had 31, 16 boards, and 7 assists. Tobias Harris had 24, 9, and 6. Uh, and then Simmons with another near triple-double, 15, 8, 8, as he does. For the Nets, we saw 21 and 8 from Jared Allen. Lavert had 25. D'Lo had 21, 7 boards. Dinwiddie had 18, so a nice team effort from the Nets, but 
They didn't in show out in the fourth quarter. Exactly. A game that's really close down the stretch, and then the Sixers just pull away. I think that's really the difference. Because they were leading the whole game and up until the fourth yeah. quarter. And then yeah. they got outscored 27-17. to 17. Like you got to close that out at home and go back 2-2 to Philly. Yeah, 100%. So unfortunate. I mean, like this Nets team is fun to watch. I was, I just wanted this series to be a little longer, but uh, agreed. Unfortunately, Game Five was the final game, and the Philly t- takes it as it's the final game. Kind of makes sense there. Uh, one twenty-two to one ten. <laughs> kind of just seemed like Brooklyn had already given up at this point. Yeah, they didn't have any energy coming out. It felt like no. I mean, their their biggest like scores were Rondé Hollis Jefferson at 21 and Karras at 18 but a lot of those buckets for Karras and Rondé were kind of garbage points so essentially yeah. no one scored in the double digits until the very end of the game when all the starters were out yeah so it's kind of kind of sad there this was the game where the the Sixers came out and were up like 14 to one or something like yeah. that, right? Like I, the Nets couldn't buy a basket. No. It was good looks from three. It was, it was floaters and they were just all bricks. Yeah. And everybody ate for the 76ers and beat at 23 and 13. Tobias had 12 and eight. Ben Simmons had 13, five and six. Uh, Reddick had 11. James Enos, the third had 11. Like the, the list goes on. There's just small plates though. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're they're watching their figure, you know. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> now to the uh, most surprising series thus far. Yeah, the most interesting, arguably. Uh, we have the Clips and the Warriors. Um, so after the Clippers won game two, everyone's going, wow, okay, we might have a series on our hands. Then Golden State says, not quite. <laughs> and they absolutely just blow the Clippers out to take a 2-1 lead. They won this one 132-105. to 105. Mm-hmm. At, um, at the Clippers' house, too. At the Clippers, yeah. Um, That's a yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, for the Warriors, Durant has been a freaking monster this series. He had 38 no, and 7 The word assists. you're looking for is snake. A basilisk. That's what <laughs> he's been. This He's been a basilisk. Uh, 38 and seven assists. Um, Steph had 21, uh, Iguodala added 15 and then a nice well-rounded game from Draymond eight, six and 10. As he does. Uh, yeah, definitely. On the Clipper side, we saw, uh, Zubak had 18 and 15 boards in 17 minutes. I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nuts. That's probably a lot of garbage minutes, but still, um, Harrell had 15 points, uh, Jermichael Green, 15, Lou Will had 16. If I remember correctly in this game, at one point in the third quarter, with seven minutes left, the Warriors took a 31-point lead, and I was on the edge of my seat, just waiting for the Clippers to do it again. Yeah, no, I think all there of is no way. Was. No, but they were going to lose that game by, you know, 30. Yeah. It just felt like it, it had to happen that way. One thing I noticed, the Warriors were heavily focused on Lou Will. And it kind of paid off. He only had 16, but they were fed up essentially with him dropping buckets on him. And yeah, they were him and they were all over him. Uh, some something that was a little disappointing was Gallinari only had nine points. He's been mm. he's been like the next Tobias for them essentially. After they traded him, they're just kind of their go-to guy, I should say. And uh, yeah, he just kind of needs to play better to win, you know. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, game four was a better game. Also in, or no, this one, was this in Golden State? No, uh, this is, this this is in was, LA. This was still in LA. Which is the same thing. It's like a 20-minute plane ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, but alas, alas, the Warriors take this one, 113-105. Like I said, better, closer. And they take their dreaded 3-1 lead. And that's important for the <laughs> next game. <laughs> um, so KD, 33 and 7 boards, along with 6 assists. Clay Thompson finally showed up to a playoff game. Nice of him to arrive. He had 32 <laughs> and one. This rebound. was it was after he jumped in the Pacific Ocean, remember? Yeah, so you can tell that story. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess we hadn't covered that yet. No. Um it's kind of a weird story. It is a weird story. He said in a an interview, this was before the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the day before the game. That that in their off day, what he went and he played he played beach volleyball, and then he said that he knew he needed to do something to clear his mind and just kind of like reset himself. So after playing beach volleyball, he went and he jumped in the Pacific ocean and he said that it was exactly what he needed and that he was ready to play and he came out and put up 32. So, so I think I wouldn't be able to walk after I played beach volleyball. Yeah, I was going to say my if you've ever been to, or if you've ever played volleyball or just even been to the beach, you know, it's like a work to get through that sand. Yeah, that hurts. So, like, I don't know what you're doing on your off day. It just doesn't seem like he's taking the game that seriously. I mean, Jordan won, like, before one of their playoff games, he went and played 36 rounds of golf. That's a yikes. Like, I think it's, you know, or 36 holes. Like, he's just, I guess, these people are freaks. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess when you're that much of an athlete, like, you don't get sore on little things like beach volleyball. Little things, yeah. But anyway, there's the Clay Thompson seems like a weird dude, but I also really like him. He's like the one warrior that seems kind of tight. So, yeah, and it works. So whatever, whatever helps you, you know, shoot better because you've been hundred percent booty butt cheeks. <laughs> so he passed on the booty to Steph though, who had twelve and ten boards, and but he added seven assists as well. So he was still there for his team, just not still contributing. Yeah, just not in the usual ways that he is. And what did I say about that one game where he had double double digit rebounds? Why? <laughs> Why is he getting this many rebounds? Box him out. Uh, for the Clippers, Shy Gilgis Alexander, um, the guy that has his name touch each side of his hips on his jersey. <laughs> it's a rainbow <laughs> yeah. on his jersey. He had 25 points, kind of just a random guy you wouldn't expect to show out. Um, Gallinari played a little better. He had 16 and 7. Uh, Beverly added 12 and 10 boards. Montrez Harold, not very good game for him or Lou Will. Montrezl had 10. Lou Will had 12. Just need more. Simply, simply that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a close game. If they get more from those guys, they might win that game. You never know. Def- definitely. Yeah. But the next uh, game last night. Yeah. In game five, back, back in Oakland, um, the Clippers managed to, to eke out the win beating Golden State 129 to 121 to bring the series to 3-2. Um, this is the first time that Golden State has lost back-to-back playoff games at home since they blew the 3-1 lead against the Cavs Ooh. a few years back. <laughs> um, Alluding to something here, they were just up 3-1. <laughs> uh, on the Clippers side, Gallinari, like you had mentioned, he needs to play better. He had 26 and 7 boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Beverly played outstanding the whole game. He had uh, 17 points and 14 boards to go with it. Also threw in four assists. Uh, Montrezl came back with a great game. He had 24 and five. 
And Lou Will was just unstoppable. Incredible down the stretch of this game. Yeah. Um, he ended with 33 and 10 assists, but down the stretch of this game, they were just feeding him. He was not passing it either. Yeah. It was just ISOs. It didn't matter who was guarding him. He was getting a bucket. It was wild. It was old man lunchtime at the Y, you know? Was, <laughs> yeah. And he was eating, let me tell you. <laughs> he, yeah, he was eating. Big plate. So that was pretty fun to watch. Lou Will's a guy who just can really blow up like that at any moment. So um, this was a fun game to watch. I mean, yeah, uh, on, even Jermichael Green added 15. Like, they, they were yeah. feeling themselves, but Lou Will was, like, the, the factor. He was the closer for him, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, on the Warriors side, I mentioned KD playing really well. The Basilisk, he had 45, 6, and 6. Um, Steph added 24. Clay had 22. And that was where the scoring contributions ended, really, for them. Um, mm-hmm. Draymond with, with seven, seven, six, kind of his usual, um, on that Kevin Durant note, there was that whole big thing at the start of the series about how Pat Bev was guarding him and, and how he wasn't scoring and whatever. So just for the record, KD in the first game had 23 on 50% shooting. The next game he had 21 on five for eight shooting since then he has 38, 33 and 45. So I think it will be interesting to see what he looks like in these next couple games. I've said it before and I'll say it again that Kevin Durant showed us in Oklahoma city that he couldn't win his team a series. And I, I still haven't really seen him perform in a, in clutch time when other guys were playing poorly. So this will be fun. Go Clippers. (laughs) Um, So a big story of this is how, the Warriors had already looked past um, game four, right? Or five with the Clippers. And this is why they lost kind of Clay Thompson said in like a post game conference that the Rockets are itching to get another shot at them. He said this before game five, I think it was on the off day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just kind of like, why are you looking ahead when you still got to beat this team? And then they get their butts kicked essentially. And, that comment comes to bite, comes back to bite you. So yeah. if the Clippers can pull off this three, one upset, I think my life would be complete. Um, oh, it would just be so funny. You know, I, it, it feels really unlikely that they actually do it, True, but I would just love to see them. I mean, even if they lose next game, this is a win for the Clippers, honestly, but if they can eke out this win in LA, which I don't know why they're so much better in Oakland than they have in LA. Just play the rest of the games up there. Exactly. But if they can win, then I think it will be really interesting to watch them go back to Oakland for game seven, where they already won the two games there. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the pressure is really on if you're golden state and now you're, you're starting to question yourself to some degree, your ability and to play shook. on your home four. Yeah, exactly. So Clippers just win in LA. I just, this will just be fun. Yeah. Even if they don't win game seven, it would be fun to like speculate. Oh, what if the Warriors lose another three, one lead? And yeah, uh, you know, just everything like that. It's, I just can't believe it's going to a game six. <laughs> yeah. This, me either. We had, we had Warriors in four. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people did, so... I think the whole world did. But uh, I'd wonder if Boogie was healthy, if this would still be going this way. You never know, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who knows? (laughs) I question his contributions, but... 
hey, that's what I said last year when they signed him. But you, yeah, you did. You did not agree with me. So uh, <clears throat> shout out me. All right, you can have that. One. Shout out self. Uh, next series we got is Spurs Nuggets, a surprisingly really good series. Um, it's not surprising to me. It's surprising. All right, cool. There, there we go. Let me rephrase that. Uh, so game three, the Spurs beat the Nuggets. After the Spurs lost the last game, uh, they win 118-108, and they take a 2-1 lead. So for the Spurs, DeMar had 25. Marcus Aldridge had 18-11. It's a typical Spurs game. Derek White. Except Derek White. Yeah, yeah. except Derek White. He had 36-5-5. This guy's like the next freaking Michael Jordan, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And then Pirtle and Forbes add 10-10. And then Rudy Gay adds 11 and 10. Like, what? Stupid Spurs basketball, man. It's so yeah. annoying. They're just always in double figures. But I swear the Nuggets are also like the reincarnated Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the younger version of them because they're kind of like the same thing. Jokic had 22, 8, and 7 this game. Uh, Malik Beasley had 20 and 9. Uh, Monte Morris, I don't even know who that is, had 10 and 7. <laughs> Tory Craig, 12.6 boards. Paul Millsap, 14. Like, it's the same yeah. stuff. It's kind of funny. Like, they're matching. Why, po- they're why Paul Millsap well. have one rebound? Because he thinks he's a guard. <laughs> <laughs> why did he have one rebound? That's unacceptable. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm really mad that they keep showing this game on NBA TV. That's what I'm pissed about. <laughs> the game three and game five are both on NBA TV. Makes me very sad. Well, I have NBA TV, so read them and weep. Just FBI agent, don't be listening to this right now, but I, I have to do my do my thing to get NBA TV. <laughs> okay. Uh, Legally, well, wink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obey the law, folks. Um, In game four, also in San Antonio, the Nuggets managed to win this one 117-103 to 103, to tie the series at two apiece um, for the Nuggets. We saw uh, Jokic had 29, 12, and 8 assists, which is a a real damn good line. (laughs) Torrey Craig had 18 and 8 boards. Jamal Murray had 24 and 6 assists. Uh, We also saw Morris again at 11 and Will Barton have 12. On the Spurs side, it was another Spurs-esque kind of night, but just everyone had less points, so that didn't really work out. DeRozan had 19. LaMarcus Aldridge had 24 and 9. And then I see an eight and a ten and an eight and a twelve and a seven, <laughs> um, points wise. But that was that. So they returned to Denver with the series tied at twos. Yeah, I mean, if Derek White wants to be that dude, he can't have thirty and then, then the next game have eight. Well, he's not that dude. That's why. So if he wants to be though, he can't. Well, he can't be doing that. That's all I'm saying. True. But I mean, he, he's not, he's never the first option. It's always going to be DeMar or LaMarcus. So yeah, I'm more interested about this Tory Craig cat. Who the hell are you? <laughs> like good for him. He was, went to university of South Carolina upstate. What? Weird. What is that? Well, in game five, he had one point. So I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm, I'm on him right now. All right. Don't, don't take me he did, my, off my soapbox here. He, he did have 10 boards, though. Okay, there you go. That's better. So he was drafted in 2014 uh, from University of South Carolina Upstate. I don't know why Upstate needs to be in there, but it does. Because that was the name of the school. Um, so he played for two years 
uh, or he was undrafted, I should say. He wasn't drafted. He played in Australia for two years, or no, for three years. And then uh, he played one year in Queensland. And then he came to the Nuggets somehow and was in the G League for the better part of this like whole year or this past year. And this year was kind of his like first year in the NBA. So like I'm just gonna say shout out to this dude. He's been balling, proving himself. For real, he that's went, the grind. He went through the grind, and now he's performing, and he's getting 37 minutes in a playoff game and scoring 18 points. Like that's pretty sick. So for sure, I'm gonna watch him a little more. Small forward might be my new favorite player. Who knows? Wow. High praise. <laughs> well, as Ahop said, he had one point in game five, but the Nuggets still won that game. Kind of a blowout and something I wouldn't expect from how, you know, the series is going. Yeah. Uh, 108 to 90, and they, the Nuggets take a 3-2 series lead going back to San Antonio. Yes. Um. So for the Nuggets... As we said, Tory Craig, one point, ten boards. <laughs> uh, Paul Millsap had 14, and he had six this time. Good job. Well, good job, buddy. Uh, Jokic, the Joker, had 16, 11, and eight assists because he's also a walking triple-double at seven feet tall somehow. He's a, he's a walking almost triple-double. <laughs> he, like, seldom gets them. He's just always really close. But he's still, like, a seven-footer who, like, gets them occasionally, which is kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Murray, who I like, but Ahop does not, had 23. You're exaggerating. Seven assists. Gary Harris had 15. Will Barton added 17. Malik Beasley added 11. And Monte Morris added 10. Spurs kind of basketball. Speaking of the Spurs, Lamarcus Aldridge had 17 and 10. DeMar had 17. Pirtle had 12. Derek White back in double digits with 12. But that's kind of it. That's about it. Mm hmm. Uh, I didn't get to watch this game too much because direct t- or uh, NBA TV. Plus, I was watching the Clippers game on my normal TV. I was at work, but uh, I don't know, man. I've the Spurs are just so well coached, and they have so many veteran players with playoff experience that if they, it, it's kind of the same story as. Um, as Golden State and the Clippers, right? So if mm-hmm. the Spurs can win this game six, pressure's on mm-hmm. for the Nuggets in Denver, and you have a whole bunch of younger guys that haven't experienced that before. And that'll be the moment. I I hope it happens just so we can see if your boy Jamal Murray can really show me something because I, <laughs> I don't expect him to. I don't think that those guys are going to – I don't think they're going to handle the pressure well if it gets to seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you remember our predictions for this series? Uh, I probably went with Nuggets. Uh, let's see. You had we said the Nuggets in five. We agreed on that. Oh, I think I said that the that the Spurs would put up a fight, but I didn't out and out say that the Spurs would win or anything like that. But they're putting I, up a fight. <laughs> I I think that the Spurs could win this series. Yeah, it's looking like that. But you know. It's, there's no home court in the series. Team, they, they've both won away games and home games. So game six will be a toss up, and game six is tonight. Yeah, Thursday yeah. night at five. So when it's you're, the only game tonight. When you're hearing this, you'll know what happened already. Sad face. Too bad. <laughs> uh, next series: Pacers versus Celtics. 
kind of an uneventful series. I think we should kind of an just, extremely uneventful series. <laughs> we should kind of just sum this up real quick. And yeah. Move on. Um, game three, Pacers put up a fight again, but the Celtics win barely 105, 106. Uh, Celtics went up 3 0. I mean, not a lot to say here. We can highlight some numbers, I guess. Kyrie had 19, 10 assists. Jalen Brown, 23 and 7. Jason Tatum, 18 and 7. Al Horford, 16 and 8. Pacers had a lot of guys scoring low numbers, and that's why they lost. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, game four. Uh, yeah, game four. Pacers tried again. Couldn't eke it out. Celtics win at 110 to 106. Uh, for the Celtics, a really well-balanced scoring attack. We see Tatum had 18 and 8 boards. Horford, 14 and 12 boards. Kyrie had 14. Jalen Brown had 13 and 6 boards. Hayward had 20. And Mark Morris had 18 and 8 rebounds. For the Pacers, Bogdanovich had 22 and 8. Uh, Miles Turner, 13 and 7. Collison, 19, 6, and 5 assists. Tyreek Evans, 21. Sabonis, 14 and 8. But it was not enough. Mm-hmm. Close game the whole way through, though. Close series, really. And that's sad for the Celtics that we've talked about. They just, the Celtics are broke. They should not be this close with uh, the Pacers who have lost Victor Oladipo and just kind of are a shell of a team, which they once were. The team they yeah. once were. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's not looking good for the Celtics against the Bucks. I'm just going to say it out loud. <laughs> it's not like they, they could legit lose in four. Yeah. Um, a better series, a way better series, Thunder versus Blazers. It was, well, it was more exciting. I guess the series n- number didn't really. Yeah. So uh, in game three for ball, we know predicted that OKC would take this one. It's their first one home. We thought they'd be like hyped because they were down 2-0 at that point. Um, they won 120-108, and they are still down in the series at this point, 2-1. But, you know, they're showing promise. Um, Russell Westbrook didn't shoot 5 or 1 for 20 or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, he had 33, 11 assists, and 5 boards. Paul George had a pretty good game, 22-6-6. Six six. Um yeah, those are the big scores. The rest were kind of, you know, average with Jeremy Schroeder Grant. with 17, yeah. Yeah, and then Jeremy Grant, 18. On the other side, Damian Lillard had 32, and CJ McCollum had 21, 7, and 7. Enos Cantor, 19, and 5. So Dame's been showing up this whole series, which, you know, is pretty impressive. Usually, I, you know, there's one game where even a star doesn't play well. But he's, yeah. he's been playing, he's been hooping. Yeah, and I mean, CJ doing kind of his usual thing, too. Mm-hmm. Nothing like, whoa, that's crazy, but always in the mid-20s. Right. Yeah. But uh, so they, they rode the momentum in this game for sure. And um, like we said, it wasn't really a shock to us that they were going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, game four, however, was shocking because nothing went right for OKC. <laughs> uh, Blazers took the game 111-98, and they took take a 3-1 three, series lead. Still managed to be a pretty close game most of the way through. OKC just really got outperformed in the third quarter um, more than they did in the other ones, I guess. It sounds like it was just sort of a rough night the whole way through. Um, for the Blazers, uh, Harkless had 15 and 10 boards. Um, Aminu had 19 and 9 boards. 
Cantor, eight and 10. McCollum had 27. Dame had 24. And then for the Thunder, PG showed out with 32, 10 and six. Uh, but it was rough going after that. Jeremy Grant had 11 and nine. Westbrook, 14, nine boards, seven assists. Schroeder had 17. Yeah, I mentioned it's it, nothing went right for them because, like, at the beginning of the game or throughout the whole game, I was watching it. They had open looks and good shots. Like, they weren't doing anything stupid. Like, they weren't turning the ball over. They weren't taking horrible shots. They just weren't going in when they needed to. And so, uh, by the look of the score and, like, even the quarter scoring, you know, the first quarter was a two-point game. The second quarter, it was a four-point game. I pressed the game recap, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that scared me so bad. Uh, the third quarter, it was eight point game. So like it slowly stretched the lead out, but at the same time, it was, it was rough for the OKC because if they hit a few shots, they'd probably win this game. And they, they just couldn't. See, what I'm not liking though, is this 15 for 40 from three. Now that's not a terrible percentage, right? 38. <laughs> it's just a lot of threes. Why? They're not, they have like one good three point shooter, right? Paul George. <laughs> Exactly. And I mean, if Ferguson's wide open, I'm not going to get mad at him for shooting a couple. Schroeder can can hit him. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Felton. OK, fine. But it seems like there's just a lot of settling for threes or not, it's not even settling. It's like excitement to take threes. And this right. is not your guys's game. Yeah. Um even on that, though, I mean, some of the most of them were pretty good shots. Obviously, there's going to be some of that that weren't, and they just couldn't make them. But yeah, um, yeah, they need to do something different. And game five, they did something different because it was a really close game and it was a really good game, too. Um, it was tied up until the last second. <laughs> Ended up being a dramatic game, too, after the fact. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this game, the Blazers take the series 118, 115. Uh, they win in five games. Damian Dalla, Dame Dalla Lillard had 50 points and seven boards. Dude, and six assists. Dude was just hooping the whole game. He had 34 at half. He, he, was, he was ready for this game to be over, essentially. Uh, Maurice Harkless added 17 and seven. Cantor, 13 and 13. Like, a, you know, you see 13 and 13, you're like, yeah, it's a pretty good game. But he was a really big factor in this game. Uh, he he had some late offensive boards that really propelled them to win this game, and then CJ added 17. On the other end, your man's Paul George was hooping the whole game too. He had 36 and nine. Uh, Russ added 29, 11, and 14 assists, triple double for him. And Jeremy Grant, who's been playing surprisingly well, 16 and eight. Yeah, he has been playing pretty well lately. Well, shout out to my boy at work who had me thinking OKC won this game until I checked my phone. <laughs> I was so mad. Um, so what happened if you didn't see it? It was the shot that was heard around the world. Damian Lillard took well, a 37-footer. Fader. Yeah, step back. <laughs> step back, fader, hand in the face, and just absolutely put a dagger through Paul George's heart because he played good D. Yeah. I, mm, yes and no. He had his hand up in his grill. Sort of. I mean, I think that's one of those shots where you're like, okay, you know, you're like. But at the same time, like for that situation and that shot, that's good D because you're not expecting him to take that, you know? Yeah. He was in, he was playing very good D for a, a shot that you would not expect someone to take. 
Yeah. Because he was playing off a little bit because he was thinking he was going to at least try to step up and shoot, get, you know, get a closer shot or drop. You don't want to get beat, right? Yeah. He has to attack right there, right? He has to go to the, he has to make a move, not shoot from 40. (laughs) See, exactly. Yeah. So after the game in an interview, um, Paul George said that it was a bad shot. um, And that got tweeted. Uh, by a reporter to which Dame replied, LOL. <laughs> and this is a conversation that, that Nathan and I have had a little bit about already. But, I mean, it, it is a bad shot, but he made it. Mm-hmm. So I liken it to, you know, the the NFL coach that goes for it on fourth and one, right? If If they don't get it, the dude is an idiot. Why would you do that? But if it works, he's a hero and everybody loves him. That's kind of how I see this because if – if he misses that and say the Thunder win in overtime, people are mad at Dame, right? Even though he's been making them during the game, whatever. The fact that he made it, that's evidence that he should have taken it now that he made them during the game. But if he missed it, he would he would be called. He'd be the whole talk of the whole NBA universe that he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I was saying at the same time, one, he's feeling it that night. So it's like even if he took that shot, I'm sure a lot of people would have been like, all right, I get it. He was on fire. And then uh, to another point I made to you was like, he's been, had been shooting those all series and making a lot of them. So he was like comfortable at that point. Um, But yeah, it was still in hindsight. It would still probably be a bad shot if, if he missed. I mean, there are like two people in the NBA that could take that and get away with it. And it's Damon Steph. Yeah. And because for whatever reason, people don't conceptualize that Dame shoots from the logo all the time. That's just what he does. It's just because no one watches the Blazers. They're not. Mm. They're... I get. I just get triggered when he hits one and they say Steph Curry range. Yeah, it's like, no, that's Please. Dame range. No, it's not. It's, yeah. He's actually taking ones that have been further than Steph. Yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah. actually on the logo and he's shooting them and you're just like, what is happening? And it goes in. Yeah. Um. And then there was a whole all the drama with uh, Schroeder and Westbrook getting into it with Dame, and that and, was I don't know. That just seemed like they were trying to start something to motivate themselves or their teammates, maybe because they won yeah. one game and they were just like talking all this ish after one yeah. game, and I was just like, damn, they were really going. You'd think they're up like four. Or, yeah. three, or three games, you know, and they're about to go into the next game and win. And they're talking ish because that, you know, there'd been some battle early on, but there wasn't really any of that from the Blazers side. Yeah. So I, I mean, I feel like it was less of an attack, more of like a, let's rally the troops here. Maybe, but we've all played in games where you're kicking the shit out of the other team and then they get mad. So they start talking. Mm-hmm. That's just, I mean, I, that seems like OKC's identity to me a little bit, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah. It gets old kind of quick. It does. It's not very becoming of you as an individual. But since my Thunder lost, let's move on to my Bucks, who didn't lose. (laughs) No, the complete opposite. They just steamrolled the (laughs) the poor Pistons. Poor Pistons didn't stand a chance. Um, Shout out to Blake Griffin, though, for coming back and playing in the series with his leg all wrapped up and all the whatnot. Yeah, game three, you couldn't really tell, though. He actually... He played well and didn't really have any signs of him slowing down. Yeah, for sure. So game three uh, in Detroit, the Bucks win 119-103. to 103. Um, To that point of Blake Griffin playing well, he had 27-7-6 in this first game back. 
uh, Drummond, Mr. Double Double himself, had 12 and 12. <laughs> Keep in mind, uh, with like three minutes left, he had like six and six. Like, oh, yeah. That somehow mystically just ended with the double double. <laughs> yeah. Um, Reggie Jackson had 15, six boards, eight assists. On the Bucks side, Chris Middleton had 28 and four, continues his outstanding play. Giannis had 14 and 10 in 28 minutes which is th- like low for him 28 minutes. I was going to say I think I mentioned to you that it seemed like they were kind of saving him at this As they juncture. <laughs> yeah, intelligently. Uh Splash Mountain Brook Lopez had 19 and 7 boards. It's called Splash Mountain. That's what they call him. That's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't it? It's freaking awesome. Uh and then Eric Bledsoe had 19, 6 and 5. Uh, Ilyasova added 15 points and Hill 11, Miritich 12. So Miritich. a nice balanced effort there from the Bucks, especially with Giannis spending a little more time than usual on the bench. <laughs> Splash Mountain. Uh, <laughs> so game four, as we we're saying, Blake was playing through an injury. Uh, he had like a pillow on his leg, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Facts. And somewhere throughout the game, he must have landed on it wrong or you know, bumps almost, I don't know, because it's his knee, and he was limping, like, throughout the whole game. Yeah, he was hurting. And he was a trooper. Uh, he was trying to get, you know, Detroit at least one win, but the Bucks take the game 127-104, and then they take the series 4-0. So Giannis had to close the game down, essentially. He had 41-9 and nine in 32 minutes. Ew. He's a monster. Uh, Middleton, 18-4. and four. Bledsoe, 16 and Miritich had 12 again. On the other side, Blake Griffin had 22, 5, and 6. Drummond, 15 and 12, double-double. Reggie Jackson, 26. <laughs> and Galloway had 10. Kennard had 11. So uh, there was a point in this game where Blake Griffin had a dunk, and it was like, you know, it's not the usual high-flying Blake Griffin. So you're like, oh, yeah, that didn't look like a great dunk. But afterwards, he, like, he didn't need to fall, but he landed on his left foot and his right legs hurt. And so he just dove to the ground. So he wouldn't have to land on his right leg. <laughs> Jeez. That's and, pretty hardcore. Yeah. So he's like, he was conscious that it hurt like a bitch essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hats off to him. He got a rightfully deserved standing ovation after the game or yeah. at the end of the game. Uh, it was when he checked out, right? With mm-hmm. se- It was like seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's that for that series. It will be a battle of the brooms with the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, and the Celtics very well might get swept. So They might steal a game if Kyrie goes off, if his shirt or if his jersey comes untucked. It's just funny that they were, they were the Eastern Conference far and away favorite coming into the season. And now mm. we're talking about like they could get swept. Yeah, it's definitely possible. But time will tell. Um, yeah. And then on to the other more boring series here. It ended up being like almost interesting just because <laughs> James Harden was absolutely whack. Dismal. Uh, at the tail end of this series. But um, in game three uh, in Utah, the Rockets eke out a 104-101 win. Um, and that was when they were down at some – I believe they were down at some juncture in that fourth quarter, yeah? Yeah. And – uh James Harden started the fourth quarter over over 15 from the field. Ugh, yeah. Um, but don't worry, the refs helped him. <laughs> so, yeah, in that game, he was three for 20. 
uh, two for 13 from three. He had 22 points. He still managed to have four boards, 10 assists, and six steals. So still a guy who's contributing. Um, he was still the leading scorer. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. Chris Paul had 18. Capella, 11 and 14. P.J. Tucker, 12 and 10. Eric Gordon had 12. Austin Rivers had 11. Um, on the Jazz side, it was the Donovan Mitchell show. Finally. He had, he, yeah. He had 34, 6 and 5. Ingles, 8, 8, 5. Gobert, 10 and 8. Rubio, 10, 4, 6. And Favors added 13. But yeah. it was not enough from the Jazz. When you're winning games like this, like, oh, it's, you just hate to be a Jazz fan. Like, that's a game yeah. they easily should have won. Yes, agreed. <laughs> and then for game four, for some odd reason, the Jazz decided to prolong this horrific series by winning <laughs> one. Uh, 107 91. Um, Harden uh, was better. Yes, Harden played better. He had 30. Um, eight for 19. He was 50% from three, six for 12. Chris Paul added 23, eight and seven, uh, 13 and six for PJ Tucker, 16 for Eric Gordon. And the jazz side, Donovan had another good game at 31 and seven. Um, Jay Crowder helped out 23. Ricky Rubio, 18 and 11 assists. Royce O'Neal, 11, 11. Derek Favors, 12, 11. So those boards definitely helping. And Ruby, Rudy Gobert had nine boards. So that's why they won that game, I would say, is for rebounding purposes. Yeah. But either way, it's just like, why are you winning? Just like, you're not going to win the series, man. Well, their efforts were short-lived. Back in Houston in game five, the Rockets win it and take the series in five games. 100-93 to was the final score there. Um, For the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell fell back into irrelevance with just 12-6 and in a game where they really needed him to show out. You imagine... Mm -hmm your quote-unquote best player scores 12 and you lose by seven on the road, it doesn't feel great. And they had a chance to win, too. There was uh, 45 seconds left. Uh, they were down one. Ricky Rubio had a wide-open three and airballed it. So, oh, yeah. That was painful. Yeah, so they... Ricky Ruby, no! <laughs> so they definitely had a chance to win this game, too. And yeah. if it weren't for Donovan, Donovan Mitchell's horrible play, they might have actually... You know, one or been, sure. been closer. Sure. Uh, Crowder had 15 and 10. Ingles, 11, 6, and 9. Uh, Gobert, 9 and 10. We mentioned Mitchell, 12 and 6. Rubio, despite that abysmal <laughs> air ball late, had 17 points and 11 assists. Looking like Mello. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and Royce O'Neal really came out of nowhere. He had 18. I don't know why the ball wasn't in his hands more, honestly, late. Um, he also has such a sick name. It is really cool. So <laughs> Neil is fire. Um, Eric Gordon on the rocket side had 15 Capella, 16 and 10 Harden really started poorly this game, uh, but ended with 26, six and six. Um, he was three for 12 from three. He was 10 for 26 from the field. And I believe he started the game one for 11. Um, so he managed to turn it around late. He also had three steals and four blocks. Um, Chris Paul, 15, 8, and 5 to round them out. And the Rockets finally end this series. Um, Thankfully. I don't think... The pain is over. You don't feel great as the Rockets now rolling into that series against... You know who feels worse? The, the Jazz. Clip. Well, <laughs> I wasn't worried about them. 
But if you're if you're Houston at this point, I feel like you're really rooting for the Clippers to to continue to chip away at Golden State's confidence, right? Because well, also just to keep the series going, so they're more tired, less downtime. To yes, less turnover. But I just feel like, man, with the way this started, if I'm the Rockets, I'm saying, okay, like we're just gonna kill him. This is that, and then Harden plays two pretty poor games. You manage to drop one against a team that has no identity whatsoever, you know, and then even the games that you win are by three and seven. It's just sloppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. Clay is right in saying that the Rockets are dying for another shot at, at Golden State. That's true, but they need to worry about themselves first because they were kind of whack at the tail end of that series. Yes, sir. And now it's everybody's favorite time. Hip hoop. With All right. <laughs> hey, hoop, I kind of like that. Um, all right. This week, it seemed like a fitting time to incorporate this uh-huh. artist, mm-hmm. um, the man of the hour, Damian Lillard, who goes by the moniker Dame Dalla. And that is D-O-L-L-A, like all caps with periods in between all of them because it's an acronym. And it's really annoying to have to search that way. Um Dala stands for different on levels the Lord allows. I don't know exactly what that means. Take that as you will. Um, This track is called Run It Up, which is featuring Lil Wayne. I was kind of shocked to see that he has multiple songs with Lil Wayne. Did you know this? I did not. I like when you sent put that link in there, I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another note that this song was produced by Scott Storch, who's a a pretty respected name in hip hop. He began as a a keyboard player for the group, the roots, which includes black thought quest, love all those guys. If that means anything to you. So Dame is taken pretty seriously as a hip hop artist. Lil Wayne has endorsed him um, as has Scott Storch. So this is pretty cool. This, uh, this track run it up is from the 2017 album confirmed. Uh, Dame actually has a few albums. So, I, I was kind of surprised by all of this, but <laughs> um, let's let's cue up the track and then we will talk about it. I'm from a golden state at, but Portland where I lay at. I'm the daddy, Mac, Mac, daddy with Hoover rapping. Y'all be on your crisscross, uh, hustling backwards. All this game I'm giving is probably going to be a caption. When the lights and camera off, I'm going to still be by that action. All right. Sure. So. Uh, da 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 nice i i have like multiple windows open because i have a lot of information that i'm relaying right here um so i'll break it down bar by bar there's there's a lot of content in there that i think initially sounds kind of like gibberish but then it all really comes together nicely like this is actually some bars so dame says i'm from where golden state at but portland where i lay at so uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh dame is from oakland um but obviously he plays in portland he has annotations that he himself has written on rap genius. Um, and he says here that this is a simple bar, but he has to embrace where he's from, but he's really taken on Portland as a second home. He says, I got such a huge impact on the community in Portland and the way the fans and all the people of Portland have embraced me. It's almost like that's another home for me. So this is just him recognizing where he's come from and also where he's ended up, uh, which I think is kind of, what guys like to do but usually it's all about where you're from right so i think it's cool that dame has adopted the second city is as a place that's important to him he's been loyal to them and, and they have done likewise he's played there since they drafted him sixth overall in 2012 
Um, this next bar I had to look into because I was like, what is he even talking about? I don't know what's going on, but this is pretty cool. So he says, I'm the daddy Mac, Mac daddy with hoop and rapping. Y'all be on your crisscross uh, hustling backwards. So follow me here. This is, this is actually pretty tight. So <laughs> he says, I'm the daddy Mac, Mac daddy. So a Mac daddy is a pimp, right? Uh, like a Mac generally is from the French term Macaray, which is a pimp, but adding daddy to it means you're like the top pimp essentially. Right. So <laughs> he's the top dog. He's saying in both hoop and rapping, but then daddy Mac Mac daddy refers to the rap group from the early nineties called Chris cross. Um, I believe the two were like 12 and 13 at this point, but their names, which are freaking horrible, uh, Mac Daddy and Daddy Mac. They, um, they, their bust out song, their big hit was called Jump, which I'll play just to snip it up right here because it's the most not early 90s thing ever. All right, so that's that's a snippet of Jump, which, like I said, is extremely, extremely 90s, almost in, like, a comical way. Um, so that Mac Daddy, Daddy Mac reference um, is, is to Criss Cross, which he mentions in the next bar. He says, y'all be on your Criss Cross hustling backwards. So I've mentioned the term hustling backwards in hip hoop before. I don't remember when it was, but it's essentially busting your ass at whatever kind of thing, but without making any progress such that you're actually doing worse than you, you would be if you weren't doing that thing. Right. <laughs> so it, I think, I think it was, uh, it was the Russ bars from kill em all where he says people are hustling backwards because they're hating on him so much that they're actually giving him promotion. Right. So that's mm -hmm. a great example of what that looks like. Yeah. So the tie in here is he says, y'all be on your crisscross. Chris Cross was actually known for wearing literally all of their clothes backwards. That's so stupid. Uh, it's very 90s. So jeans, overalls, jerseys, like all of it, they wore it backwards. Um, so this is just like a really brilliant, it's two bars, but there's so much. This this Mac Daddy with hoop and rapping, the Criss Cross, the hustling backwards, the backwards clothes, all the things. Pretty tight. So good wordplay there from Dame. Especially um, like this considering he's an NBA player. Like that's in-depth work going into that. That's a lot, right? The dude can actually rap, which is, I mean, obviously why he's endorsed by a guy like Lil Wayne. Um, mm -hmm. The last couple bars are pretty straightforward. All this game I'm given is probably going to be a caption. Um, Dame talks about on Genius that he's seen his lyrics used as Instagram captions before, which has got to be a pretty cool feeling. Especially mm -hmm. like you said, he's not even a rapper first. The dude is in the NBA. Um, and he performs shows and things, which is kind of wild to me. Um, and the last bar, when the lights and camera off, I'm going to still be about that action. I think this was an interesting bar and I included it just because being about that action is, is being about action, about doing things instead of just about talking. And I, I feel like this is really the kind of the shots that Dame was taking at Russ at the end of this series, right? Where he's True. saying like, I'm making it happen on the court. You can talk all the, whatever you want. Um, but I'm, I'm about winning games. I'm about the action. So kind of a cool tie into recent events. So that was Dame Dalla. The track's called Run It Up. Lil Wayne's got a verse on it. Uh, I encourage you guys to check out his music. 
as far as NBA musicians go, most of them are freaking terrible. Uh, and Dame is not one of those people. And that's what I got for hip hoop. Woot woot. Well, as you finish up there at the end, you mentioned Russ and Dame. So the football we know this week is actually about Russ. And it's something that people have been talking about. So we thought we'd talk yeah. about it too. Uh, so the question here is, has Russ passed his prime? Is, you know, has he reached his peak already? And is that kind of it? And because we didn't really see a whole lot from him this series uh, as far as like leading his team. Um, and is it time to change up his game? Maybe as a less, less score, more passer, pass first kind of point guard. So I'll let you go, go ahead first. Mm, okay. Guy. I mean, yeah, the amount of hate on, Russ has reached just an all-time peak, I think. Um, and for good reason, if I'm honest. I don't know that Westbrook is necessarily past his prime. I think that that – I think that's a stretch. Um, so he's mm-hmm. 30 right now. The athleticism is going to start to go away, right? And that's just how this happens. So – the way that any great player prolongs their peak is by changing the way that they play. And for Russ, he really relies on his explosiveness and his athleticism. I think if Russ can dial himself in where he can bring his shot back, I don't know what happened to it. He used to be a pretty reliable shooter. um, And that has just absolutely gone out the window. I would argue it's just time for him to reevaluate the way he plays I think he has at least a few more years of really productive basketball, um, but not on one for 15 shooting. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like that's like a weak answer, but it, I think it's unfair to say, oh, that's it. It's just, um, I don't know. It's hard because it's like, it's, I feel like it's always kind of been the same story. He just needs to know when it's not his night because they always say shooters are going to shoot, but he's not a shooter. So you yeah. can't shoot yourself out of a slump. If you're just this inconsistent, because he's not ever in a slump. He just has one bad game, and but the bad game is a horrendous game. And then the next game he might score 40, you know? So yeah, I think he just needs more of a awareness and maybe that's part of coming off uh, your like peak or your prime is knowing when, you know, you're not, you can't carry your team because when you're in your prime, you should be able to do that no matter what. Yeah. So in a a way, yeah, maybe, but at the same time you could say, no, he's still in his prime. He just needs to grow as a, as a player and become a little more wiser when it's time to delegate and when it's time to go in and try to figure out ways to help your team in a different way. I I mean, yeah, I think that's a great answer. I think Shannon Sharp said it best. Russell Westbrook is that good-looking girl that we overlook all the other flaws. She has a terrible personality. She's not really nice to people, and she has a bad attitude. What Russ has seduced us with is the triple-double. We forget how poorly he has shot the ball. Valid. So that's kind of alluding to the idea of, yeah, we think he's this you know amazing player because of the triple-double, but he's never really shot the ball that well. So don't be surprised if he's not shooting the ball well. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into this, but yeah, I don't think he's necessarily past his prime. He just needs to evolve and quickly. Quickly. Yeah. I mean, you look at, I've said it, they, they, 
they go how he goes, right? So that game that they won, he shot 50% from the field. He was four for six from three, and he had 33 points. They win. The, the last two games that they lose, he's five for 21, and then he's 11 for 31. Yeah. He's two for seven from three, and then he's four for 11 from three, right? I just think he wants to be something he's not. Agreed. And he needs to set his ego aside. And it's going to be hard realize, for him. Yeah, and just realize that he's a great player, but he needs to know when he's playing great too. <laughs> well, and I think he needs to do things that facilitate him playing great, right? Attacking the basket, mm-hmm. taking shots from in close, getting in the post against a guy who's smaller than you or less athletic than you, right? He goes away from these things and he starts just hucking up these threes. Why is he shooting 11 threes ever? <laughs> I think his kryptonite is when he shoots a three because he's open. It's like, okay, good shot. And he makes it, and he's like, oh, this is my night for threes. Like, you shouldn't, as an NBA player, you shouldn't be like, ooh, this is my night or this isn't my night. Like, you should be consistent. You should be, all right, I'm not having the best night, but because I'm a shooter, I can keep shooting and shoot my way out of this. He's not that. He can't shoot his way out of it. But he's also not a terrible shooter. He can make, he can knock down that shot. He's gone like six for six in games before from deep. Like, yeah, he's just a loose cannon. And that's, that's, that's also what makes him great though. Yes. But no, I think, I think that plays to your point too, right? Be smarter about how you approach the game. And, and I think he has three more years of outstanding basketball, but as long as it's (laughs) smart, outstanding basketball, (laughs) see exactly. Right. He can make an open three, but don't. That doesn't mean you should shoot the contested one the next possession. Yeah, or if you you even get the guy off a little bit, you might not make that just because of your history in threes. I don't know, or just get better at threes. Prove us all wrong. Do something. Yeah, we'll I just, see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so it or sounds Ray like Ray Allen we, this summer. Do something. It sounds like we agree. Like, is he past his prime? Like, is this it? No. Yeah. But he needs to do something, or that's going to happen to him a lot sooner than any of us would like it to because he's really fun to watch right yeah explosive well we agreed on something i believe in you russ you can do it (laughs) with that that is episode 49 thanks for listening that was a good time sorry we were a little tired but we're both up early i'm really tired how (laughs) long was this episode it was over an hour yeah, it feels like well over an hour. It's, it's stupid. There's three games in one week. It's too much <laughs> for each series. Yeah, it was a lot. Well, they'll start dwindling. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bucks will keep this next series short. So, <laughs> And uneventful for the other team. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to episode 49. We'll catch you next week on episode 50. We're approaching the, for ball we know, one-year anniversary as well. So Ooh. that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. So if you're still listening, you're definitely a ride or die who was there at the day one, too, because no one listens to the end of this pod. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> um, things things of note, uh, game six between the Warriors and Clippers will be, if you're listening the day this comes out, tonight at 7 p.m. So be sure to check that out. Pacific mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe. Review us, all that good stuff. Share Post us on your, friends, your story, family, your enemies. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, post us on your story. Why not? Um, Hashtag, why not? Russell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why not shoot that contested three? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen other guys make it. I sure as hell can. <laughs> <laughs>
Steph Curry ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, it's been Nate. <laughs> it's been Nate Hop. See ya. Adios. Man, I'm 75 and still alive. Like, damn, it went fast. I know somewhere up above my father's having a laugh. Every lesson that he told me adding up like it's math. And every time I'm looking dumb because I ain't listening to the man. And now I'm thinking, man, where my legacy at? As I'm staring at the child of my child on my lap And it hits me all at once, man, this is where it at I said, son, go get that ball and let me show you who you are I said, this is my legacy, I leave it for you And it's something that's a part of me, now a part of you too And it's more than just a game, and it's more than just a sport If that ever truly is a sign of God, it's a proof It'll teach you how to work, how to love, how to lose All the dedication needed to be the man that you choose I'm leaving it for you so you can be the better man I handed in the rock like I put the world in his hands And now he's dribbling, yeah, yeah And now he's dribbling, yeah, yeah And now he's dribbling, yeah He put some shots up and he's dribbling